Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Southside Online today. So excited to be able to hang out with you for a little bit. Thank you for giving us your time and uh, just a little a little bit of your day that I hope will be a blessing to you. It'll help you grow in your life and uh, just get some better traction where you are right now because I believe that's what God wants to do. He wants to meet you where you are so that he can take you to where he wants you to be, which is a phenomenal place. Today, we're talking about finding community and uh, what that looks like in a God-centered church, in a God-centered setting, in a God-centered world, because I believe that God wants to be the center of everything that we do. A lot of times we'll talk about God being first, uh, make him the first of your life or whatever. I, I, I don't say that. I believe that God needs to be the center. Just like the planets revolve around the sun, I believe we should, everything about our life should revolve around who God is and what God desires for your life and mine because he created us. We are his created beings. He breathed air into us and gave us the ability to be living souls and he gave his life for us so that we could have life in his name. And so a God that loves me enough to do that is a God that I can trust and give my life to and every part of my life. So here we say this, we want Jesus to be the center of everything. And when you do that, when you make him God of your life, when you know God in a personal way, it's a gr- the great, the, the really to me, the best next step to take is to find community with people that are doing the very same thing as you. And so we want to call that right now, the we factor. I don't know about you, but when my life, my life, I can, I can, pull out several instances, several times in my life where it feels like my world has been turned upside down. When that happens, it's, a very, it's very easy to have a me-focused mentality. What God does when he comes in to be the center of your world, when you allow him that opportunity, he turns that me upside down. And that me can become a we. And here's the truth. We are simply better Together, And so the we factor, the transforming power of biblical community, not just community, because you can have community anywhere. I'm talking about the transforming power of biblical community and what that looks like in our life today. And so what does real biblical community look like? Well, let's just take the word real. There's reconciliation, encouragement, there's acceptance, or you could even say accountability, and love. So reconciliation, which I think is powerful, it's a great truth to learn from God's word. Encouragement, because God wants to encourage you and strengthen you in your faith. There's acceptance, because I believe that God is an inclusive God. The world would like to tell you that God's an exclusive God. No, he's not. He's an inclusive God because God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that if you would believe in him, you wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. That's an inclusive God. But Jesus is an exclusive way to heaven. In other words, Jesus didn't say, I am a way, a truth, a life. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Well, when you look at it this way, Jesus made it real clear and real simple of how to get to heaven. He said, go through me. There's not all these options, there's not all these ways. There's one way, and he's the way. And he's the God that loves you and gave himself for you. Why would you not say yes to that? So there's reconciliation, there's encouragement, there's acceptance. And finally, there's true biblical love. 
And we're gonna see a picture of that today in the passage that we talk about. But before we go there, we're gonna begin, we're gonna be in Romans chapter 12 for the next several weeks. But to get to where we wanna go today, we've gotta really deal with the first two verses of Romans 12. And I'll tell you why after we read what this says. Romans 12, verse number one, the guy writing the book of Romans is a guy by the name of Paul. Paul wrote two-thirds of the entire New Testament under the direction of the Holy Spirit. And Paul, Paul's a bad man. Paul's, I mean, not in a bad way. Paul's a good man. He's a godly man, but he is a, he's a world changer. He's, he's a guy that God took the me and turned it upside down, and it became a we. And it was totally transforming in his life, and because of that, it offers transformation for our life today. Paul said, therefore, whenever you see the word therefore in your Bible, you ought to ask yourself the question, what's it there for? Because of everything that Paul said in Romans chapters one through 11, which is a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of theology, it's a lot of doctrine, it's a lot of truth that helps you understand why God wants you to be a follower of his. And so Paul lays that out. What we see in Romans 12, verse number one, is a hinge. It's a hinge that turns from doctrine and theology, the why of Christianity, to application and the how of Christianity. So now Paul makes a shift, and for the next five chapters, he's gonna show us how to do it. This is how we do it. Anyway, this is it. This is how he does it. He says, therefore, by God's mercy... See, all of this is because of God's mercy. Because of God's mercy, because God loves you so much. He loves you so much. Because of that mercy, that's the greatest thing about Christianity, about salvation. It's not that you're good, you're not, neither am I. It's that God is good. And God loves you so much that he's done this for you. By God's mercy, he said, I urge you, I plead with you, I beg you, to present, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. See, it's not a dead sacrifice. In the Old Testament, you dealt with dead sacrifices. They would bring a sacrifice to God and they would kill it, okay? That was an animal that they would offer as, a, as, a, as an atonement, a temporary atonement for the sin. See, Jesus came and became a permanent atonement, a permanent sacrifice for your sin and mine so that we don't have to, we don't have to like become a dead sacrifice. He said, I want you to be a living sacrifice. Now, the only problem with that is, is living sacrifices just keep getting up and crawling off the altar. <laughs> but he said, I want you to present your body to God as a living sacrifice. Anybody want to know how to please God? A lot of people ask me that. How can I know that God is happy and pleased with me? This is how you do it. Offer your body to him as a living sacrifice. That is holy and pleasing to God. You ever wonder, you ever question, what does God want from me? How can I please a holy God? This is it. And Paul says, this is your spiritual worship. There's another version of the Bible that says, this is your reasonable act of worship. Translation, it's the least that you and I should do for the one who gave everything. For you and me. So he, then he says this. He says, don't be conformed to this age. Another version says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this age. Hey, this world wants to fit us into its pattern and its mold. And so it's a confirmation, it's, it's, it's conforming. 
He says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this age. Instead, be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He said, it all begins here. It begins right here. It's gonna start with the renewing of your mind. And that's why we need God's word. That's why we need God's truth because God's truth, God's word will renew our mind so that you and I may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So Hebrew, so, so Hebrew Romans 12, verses one and two are the hinge upon which the book of Romans turns and shifts. And so we go from the why of Christianity to the how of Christianity. And so that's what we see. The remainder of Romans is Paul's explanation of what a life lived in response to the gospel looks like. What's the gospel? Go read Romans 1 through 11. Go read it. What will you see in that? You'll see this, that he, God, made the one Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for you so that you and I might be made right with God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what we see. That's, the, that's what we see in those first 11 chapters. Now, the rest of this is the explanation of what a life lived in response to the gospel looks like. So let's jump to verse nine. Romans 12, verse nine, the first thing Paul says to do is you got to take off the mask. You take off the mask. A life lived in response to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the first thing you and I do, we take the mask off. Listen, a couple, just a few days ago, people celebrated Halloween. They dressed up, they put on masks, they got all these things. And I won't tell you the freaky thing to me or adults that like to go do that. Hey man, I'll take my kids trick-or-treating, but this brother ain't putting no mask on. And I'll promise you this, I'm not gonna dress up like a clown because clowns are freaky and they mess with me, okay? But... Paul says this, he says, hey, take the mask off. You gotta take the mask off. And this is what he says in Romans 12, verse nine. Our love must be without hypocrisy. The word hypocrisy in the Greek language is related like this, it's defined like this. It's an actor who has put on a mask, an actor that is posing to be somebody that he or she is not. And so here, Paul begins to talk about real transformation and what the gospel living it out looks like. This is what it looks like. It means loving without hypocrisy. Just saying simply, this is it. What does real love look like? Real love is found out. You can see it lived out through the scriptures and through the Bible. And so that's what we see. Timothy, 1 Timothy, Paul said this. Now the goal, the goal of our instruction is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Paul said this is the goal of our teaching. He's writing to a young guy named Timothy who is pastoring a church. And he's telling Timothy, this is, this is how you do it. This is why you do it. When you stand up to teach people, the goal, the goal is not just to instruct them for instruction's sake. The goal of our instruction is love. You got to meet people where they are. You got to get dirty with them. You got to get into the muck and the junk of life with people. A love that comes from a pure heart. A pure heart that says, I just want to love you, friend. I just want to help you. I want to see you get better as a human being. A good conscience. 
Do you want a good, clean conscience? I do. That's, that's, that's what our instruction is, and a sincere faith, a real, genuine faith. This, this is what Paul said. Paul said, be the kind of community where it's safe for people to take off their mask. You know, you, you, you may live close to here, or you may come to Southside, and you're just watching online. Or maybe you live far away. You know, if you live close by, I, I hope that you would come. This is one of the sayings and the things that we would say here. We say home is here. And, and we want you to, 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 to be in a place where it's, you feel like it's okay, where you can take off your mask. Listen, people are never more real than when they go home. And so we want to build real followers of Jesus, people that will walk in, and, and if somebody, and you, you have the ability to do this, if somebody says, hey, how are you? You just don't really feel like saying good and fine. You'll say, you know what? You really don't know how I feel. This is how I feel. Blah. And somebody standing off to the side says, really? Is that all you got? <laughs> Bring it. Bring your world to the Savior. And trust him enough to take off your mask. You want to know what real biblical transformation looks like? It happens when you take off your mask. Number two, when we ground our lives in God's word. When you and I ground our lives in God's word, let's just face it, a lot of people don't do this today. A lot of people. When we talk to people, they'll pray about it. They'll go to church if they feel like it. They'll talk to other people and get advice. They'll look at their circumstances. They'll get online. They'll try to find answers. A lot of times, this is the last place we'll go for help. In reality, this ought to be the first place we go. And this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Every day that I read it, I get to read the word of God. And when I apply it, I believe I'll never be the same again. We're gonna live, ground our lives based on God's word. Look at what he says. He continues in verse number nine. Let love be without hypocrisy. Let your love be sincere and genuine and authentic. Detest evil and cling to what is good. It's a message that we need to hear in our society and our culture today. It, it, the lust of the flesh fuels our life. I mean, that's what he says in, in 1 John. He talks about this in the Bible in the New Testament, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. If we feed those things constantly, that is what is gonna win. So we wanna feed the spirit of God in our life more than we do the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But you've got all these messages that are coming to us from these devices and, and from the world that just says, it's millions of messages in a week that says, hey, the lust of the flesh is good, feed it. The lust of the eyes, you deserve it. The pride of life, who are they to come against you? He's like, hey, we want you to live your best life. Okay, great, that may all sound good, but it doesn't always work out. Not when the spirit of God wants to grow inside of me and produce fruit that leads to life. He says, in order for this to happen, you gotta detest evil, hate evil. You wanna love that can hate, this is it. It's a love that can hate, but what do we hate? We don't hate people, we hate evil. We hate evil and we cling to what is good. So how do I know the difference between evil and good? God's word, that's where we find it. That's what we see. And so he says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter five, Paul is still speaking here and he says, rejoice always. He's giving us some practical application on how to cling to what is good, how to detest evil and, and be sincere in our faith. He said, rejoice always, rejoice. 
Rejoice in every situation. Pray constantly. When you're walking, every part of your life, constantly develop this relationship with God that you can say anything to him at any time and any place because he's always listening and he's always ready. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything. It's easy to give thanks for God, to God or for other things that we're good, we're thankful for, that we're happy about. But what about the things that we're not? When's the last time we said, thank you, Lord, for this situation in my life because it brings me closer to you? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. He goes on, don't stifle the spirit. To stifle something means to like put it out, put it down, cover it up. He says, don't do that with the spirit of God in your life. You wanna give the spirit of God room to grow in you. Don't despise prophecies. Spend time with people that can speak good and truth into your life. Test all things. Hold on to what is good. Hold on tightly. And stay away, again, from every kind of evil. And when you do that, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you to make you holy, sanctify you completely, and may your spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Because he who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. In other words, you can count on him. The question is, can he count on us? Here it is. Hatred of evil. Hatred of evil should come from first clinging to what is good. I really struggle with hating you. I heard this or that, whatever it is with evil. Here, you want, you want it here, don't struggle with this. Cling to what is good. Hold on to God's word. Hold on to it. Ground your life in God's word. Number three, we love each other like family. That's the way I, I pray that it would feel. I pray that it would feel that way to you. If you step foot on our property, when you come into this environment that we, we want to make even better for you on, a, on an online experience, we want you to feel like family. That's what happens when you come home. We want to welcome you into this. We want to love each other like family. Paul said in verse number 10, he said, show family affection to one another. Not just any kind of affection, family affection. We want to do that. We want to show family affection to one another with brotherly love. It's the same word where we get our, our, our word Philadelphia from. It's a word that means, it's, it's this in the Greek, phileo. It's, a, it's, it's brotherly love, the city of brotherly love. Paul said, show family affection with one another with a brotherly kind of love. He goes on and he talks about this in 1 Thessalonians 4. He said about brotherly love. You don't need me to write to you because you yourselves are taught by God to love one another this way. God teaches you to love each other like this. Why don't we do it? Because the me is centered a lot of times. The focus is here. We want to do that. But we want God to turn that me upside down to we. It's about the we factor in our life. He said, in fact, you are doing this toward all the brothers in the entire region of Macedonia. But we encourage you, brothers, to do it so even more to seek to live or lead a quiet life, to mind your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. I was walking down the hall on my way here this morning and this is what I, I heard a lady, two ladies were walking and one was talking about a family situation and she said, you know what? They just need to mind their own business. I said, First Thessalonians 4 says that. It says we need to seek his family to live a quiet life, to mind your own business. She said, that's right. Mm -hmm. That's right, preacher, preach it. 
It's so funny. Such a great moment. (laughs) So that you may walk properly in the presence of outsiders and not be dependent upon anyone. Wow. See, our love for one another indicates how full our hearts are with the love of Jesus. The love that we have for Jesus will be seen in the love that we have for other people. Real biblical transformation, what does that look like? When we take off our mask, ground our lives in God's word, love each other like family. Finally, when we recognize God's worth in every person. Paul said at the end of chapter 10, or verse 10, show family affection to one another with brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. Just take your home. What would it look like in your home if you and your family tried to outdo one another in showing honor to each other? You know what you're doing in that? You're not just honoring one another, you're honoring the Lord. You're doing it. Philippians chapter two, verse one, Paul tells us how to do that. He said, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if there is any affection and mercy, if you got any of that stuff in your relationships, Paul said this, then fulfill my joy by thinking the same way, having the same love, sharing the same feelings, and focusing on the same goal. He said, do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. And he says this, everyone should look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. I'm thinking about somebody else other than me. It's about the we. He said, make your own attitude like that of Christ Jesus. See, in the book of Romans, I love this, and just so that I get it correct, I'll say it this way. One of the distinctive features of the early church was how they honored each other. The church was the only place in the Roman Empire where people of different ethnicities and classes got along. Why? Because they saw each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, united by a common problem of sin, a common savior in Jesus, a common purpose in evangelism, and a common future in heaven. (laughs) See, what does that say? It says this, you matter to God and you matter to us. I promise you that. See, it's only through faith in what God has done that we're empowered in how we should live. Because Jesus died to sacrifice himself for your sin. Why? so that you would sacrifice yourself for his service. My challenge to you today is to find some biblical community. Find a place where you can walk in and make it your home. To come from the community into the congregation and take steps of commitment to develop the core in your life to become more like Christ. Thank you so much for joining us today. God bless you. We pray his best for you. And I hope you'll come back and join us again real soon. Thank you. If you made that decision today to say, yes, I do want to choose Jesus. I do want to acknowledge him as my personal Lord and Savior. 
congratulations. We could not be more excited for you. And we want to help you in that process and answer any questions that you might have and provide you resources. To do that, simply text JESUS, that's J-E-S-U-S, to 706-449-0870. And one of our pastors on staff will be in touch with you because we want to help you as you walk out your faith. If you thought, you know what, I would like to contribute to all that God is doing in and through Southside. I would like to partner with Him. You can do that in three simple ways. First, you can text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 706-449-0870. Secondly, you can do it on the Southside app in the Give tab. Lastly, Southside.online. You can do it through the Give section on our website. Thank you so much for being here with us today, and we hope you have a great rest of your week.